Yo, what is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan, here, and this is the second part of my conversation with Darren and Valeriana. If you have not caught the first part of the conversation, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to the first one and then come back to this part, too, because you'll kind of be lost. All right, y'all. Here's Darren and Valeriana. And that's not a one-time thing either, you know? And, and, no, several and I think times. one thing that I, I really want to emphasize is that, you know, there's, as you mentioned, Valeriana, there's there's this uh, this expectation that Black folks will just forgive or forget. I think forget mm-hmm. is actually a big mm-hmm. part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we did that, you know? Like, there were, we yeah. experienced so much anti-Blackness. Yep. And we did yep. give folks the benefit of the doubt. We did forgive and yep. we did say, okay, like, let me just give you this feedback here and then let's, let's keep working let's together. Move forward. You know, like let's work yeah. on this. You are my ally or you said that you want to be my ally. So again, I'll give you this feedback if, if harm has happened and then we'll move forward. We did that so much, but I think what we began to saw to see was that folks would often ignore it. You know, we would say, Hey, you know, the, the, first of all, I want, I want to, mention the fact that all of these folks in this article believe that they are anti-racist. That's the and thing. And they led with mm-hmm. that. And they often got public accolades for it, particularly white folks, particularly these yep. funders at the Office of Crime Victims Advocacy in Washington. They came to us, you know, when we came to the organization and said, yes, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you have expertise in racism mm-hmm. and anti-oppression because we need this right now and we want you mm-hmm. to support us to join us in addressing these issues and we said oh word <laughs> like we yeah. let's let's do right. that like that sounds yeah. all right, right. Let's, let's go, go. All right. yeah. And, yeah. and we did that but the minute it's it, it turned to hey we've been addressing these issues externally for a while and here's an experience i had from you yesterday that i want to let you know was harmful that was when mm-hmm. we started to get iced out. That was when folks stopped mm-hmm. responding to our emails. That was when OCBA, oh, yeah. you know, after I, I multiple times gave my grant manager uh, feedback and said, hey, here's how you can better support me as a black man doing this work. And she didn't do that. And then again, well, sorry, you missed that one, but here's another opportunity to, just, to support me as mm-hmm. a black man missed mm-hmm. that one. So it, it got to a point where it's like, hey, I think I need safe. a different grant manager yep. because I, I'm really yeah. trying to work with this person and I don't think they have the capacity. And the minute that, that message goes out, uh, we're shutting down all communication. As the article says, we're shutting down yeah. all communication between my our organization and yours. You all have to go through this white man who's a manager. And when I follow up on that and say, hey, I asked for an accommodation here, Here's the documentation uh, of what I wrote you. How are you responding to this? I get I get ignored. You know, I, I get absolutely yeah. nothing. Purpose, right? And Purpose so right. again, they these are the yeah. folks that came. They got to the us. email. They got it. They are there. These are the folks that came to us and said, "Hey, let's address these issues." But then this is where we where we end up. So I think you know that's one thing that I, I really want to emphasize is that you know we didn't come into some Fortune mm. five hundred profit-making company no. and say, hey, we're going to no. address anti-Blackness and, and turn this place around. We were invited in <laughs> yeah. and folks were like, yes, come with this. Please do this. Yep. And then when they saw what that reality was, they said, I don't I don't know if this is for me. Oh, my gosh. All right. So. I know. Okay. A lot. 
<laughs> okay, so even the first one, like I just I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time because I feel like it's been said not all not all skin folk are kin folk, and I feel like people miss that. Mm-hmm. Like people miss that that Come like on. you know that just because you look a little like me or like have a little bit of something going on or pigmentation in your skin that like that I could trust you. And you know what I'm saying? And that like that skin color, that skin tone gives me a little trust. But like Valorant, you said it. Those people do incredible oh. amounts of harm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much harm because oh, yeah. like it it goes back to that piece of what I was saying about self-preservation. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, yes. you know, like they are so yes. willing and so comfortable oh, yeah. next to whiteness. Oh, that yeah. like that like they have pitched their tent on whiteness and they don't realize that that is going to bite them right in the ass. Like I have it a little. It will t- always come for yeah. them. It will yeah. always come for them. Yeah. Just because it's coming for me in a way that may even seem more public. It's mm-hmm. like you don't think that your torment is coming. Yeah. Like I I I really believe when my Angelo says when someone tells you who they are, you gotta believe them. You got I mean to. that that's the main thing I think that Darren and I have seen in in this entire uh, lived experience and story that she's still unfolding because. I think of a time when Darren and I, while we were working at Wixap, were actually organizing, um, meeting up with other black folks in the mm. movement. And they would come to us specifically. I think of two um, black women who came to us and literally were like, "This or these organizations are doing this, this, this. And they were like leaning on us for support. Mm-hmm. But once all this stuff started to unfold... It's amazing what their stance is, which is silence. Mm, mm, mm. But yet they're the ones who will, they will be at every anti-racist conference. They will like this status. They'll go in this direction. And, and I think yep. the other pieces, as black folks, I think there's a deeper and larger conversation that's happening here is what happens when you are seeing this take place and the people who are behaving in this way are older than you and mm-hmm. they're part of your community. Mm-hmm. Yep. There, there is a disconnect. And I don't under, I, and I think maybe for me, so the leaning that I do have is I don't know if it's because the anti-blackness that they have seen and experienced, they've just accepted it as the currency. And it's just a, a level of like you live with this. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, you know, a perpetrator's there. You just kind of navigate the situation. But I'm like, we're in the anti-violence movement. Like just what Darren said, like, yeah. this wasn't a Fortune 500 uh, yeah. company. Yeah. This wasn't PricewaterhouseCoopers. Like, yeah. no, this is like. An anti-violence state coalition that is against violence. Yep. But yet, let's not talk about racial violence. Yeah. And it's wild to me, the things that were co-opted. People would rather sit with me and tell me about how I needed to, me and Darren and I need to have a better understanding of like being in solidarity for immigrant populations. But the immigrants they were talking about were brown immigrants. Mm-hmm. I can tell you so many times when I'd have to say, what about black immigrants? Mm-hmm. I'm a black immigrant. Yep. Like, I'm living and breathing a lived experience in this country. And there's anti-Blackness even in immigration reforms yes. and, yep. and policies. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you this, but your default is there are only a few Black immigrants in the state of Washington. How do you know that? Yeah. You didn't talk to all the Black people, and so you just came up with this in your mind? And now I'm learning, like, after now being removed from that landscape and seeing really, like, the state of Washington in even a larger uh, bird's-eye view— they are black immigrants who have been organizing. Mm-hmm. They've just been left out of white spaces. Yeah. And it was and it's amazing that the language that Darren and I were told over and over was, well, if you have a gathering with communities of color, you'd be lucky if you even get like 10 people of color who come. They told us that language so much to discourage right. us. Yep. And I remember specifically how Michelle Dixon Wall even told us, I mean, what what are you going to do if you're not going to get funding for that? 
But she was very quick to make sure there was funding for brown employees so they could travel to Hawaii and be a part of indigenous ceremonies. Hmm. So what about the black folks? I'm like, this is the year we've really gone through some anti-blackness. Where's our support? Yep. And it's amazing that Darren and I had to constantly make a case for mm. why we should be supported. And when we would speak up about it, it's like, oh, it's almost like, oh, here are the angry black people again. Oh. And it's like, no, I just want to be treated in the same way all humans are being treated. That's all. Yep. I'm not asking for preferential treatment. I'm yeah. just telling you, when you show up like this, you're being violent. Yeah. I don't feel safe around you because there is no way that I can move around doing this to white folks and not see repercussions coming my way. And it's, again, amazing that there was all this energy, all this wording that was like, oh, no, they're just stirring the pot. But then the same organization, after they had erased me, after I was wrongfully terminated, after they fostered an environment of anti-Blackness, so Darren had to leave, that they signed on to a letter called, what was it called, uh, Darren? The Moment of Truth called? Letter. The Moment of Truth Letter that basically talks about the fact that we have always, uh, no, we have uh, not believed Black women and we need to do better. We believe Black people. After they didn't erase this, made us sign these NDAs. It Come was on. during. Like, I just want to add yes, that they right, were in that. the process of negotiating our NDAs <laughs> yeah. as yeah. they signed on to this statement saying that this, this movement to end gender-based violence is going to stop being anti-Black and stop, in, you know, moving towards this, these incarceration solutions and whatnot, while they were signing on to that, while they were, you know, this was June 2020, making one of those mm. statements that, that so many organizations made. And I know they got an email that day that said, hey, would you sign on to this statement? And they said, we have an opportunity here. You know, like we, yeah. we look racist. To not look yeah, we look racist. Yeah. We look anti-Black. Our Black employees have left us. We're pretty much just a white organization at this point. And we have this opportunity to sign on to this thing. And tonight, I'm going to send an email to our attorney and, and ensure that that Darren and Valeriana aren't able to speak on their experiences of racism ever again. That was happening at the exact same time. And I think, you know, again, I, I want to be clear that, like, this is not uncommon in this in this movement. There mm -hmm. were other organizations yeah. that were signing That's statements and doing the exact same thing. The yeah. sister coalition, the sister coalition, who was a part of that. And it's like... I look at the landscape of this work and I see that it is changing. And I see that this conversation has been happening for such a long period of time. But the difference here is folks have, for, for some reason or another, and specifically I think in the state of Washington, have not truly maybe had the opportunity to hear like live real-time accounts from Black folks within the civil rights chapter. Mm -hmm. It's like you hear whispers, but so many people now have spoken up to us and have said, like, I heard things, but I, like, this is even worse. And then we have said, oh, this is probably only, like, 25%. Because there was only so much that Madison Polly could capture. Yeah. And I can't help but think, what about the things that were taking place that Darren and I weren't even privy to? Yep. yep. Before Conversations behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Oh, while y'all were there. Yep. Mm. They know it. And that's why I think that the shame of actually speaking up and actually saying, I did this thing scares them more because then there's an admittance of anti-blackness and again some people are more afraid of being called a racist or being called out for the anti-blackness than the violence that they are actually continuously doing yeah and the again the wild thing and darren you brought this up is that these are organizations that, are, that claim that they want to do this work that claim that they are already doing this work and they want to enhance it so they'll bring people 
bring people in, mostly people of color, you know, and they think that, yo, yo, like keep calling them out, keep calling them out, cheer you on. And the moment you call them out, like y'all said, like this is Crickets. this is it. Yeah, this is it. And Crickets. and I just remember my own experiences. Can I say it? I can't say it. I can't say it. Cause she signed an NDA. Yeah, but like the but the, the but the thing is, is like, you know, I've witnessed it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like having to weigh that, what that means. And like the cost of it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I was remembering, I'm remembering now and I'm not an NDA. So, and this is a completely separate situation. So I'm gonna go ahead and speak it. I, an old um, institution, my alma mater, I had to, I had to like, I, me and a few other people gathered all of the black, like as many black students, alumni, current students together. And some people that actually worked at the institution and like met with the president, you know what I'm saying? And it did not go well. You know what I'm saying? Like he, it, he basically called the my uh i'll say co-conspirator um angry black woman in the meeting and had the nerve to say mm-hmm. like i can't how am i supposed to say black lives matter from a pr standpoint mm-hmm. we're wow. talking about like this is in june and like there's literally uprisings going on across the u.s and we're talking about pr you know like there's right. literally mm-hmm. people dying yep. and you're talking yeah. about pr what are we what are yeah. we saying here you know what i'm saying and like this is the same institution that is considered a hispanic serving institution you know Jeez. And uh, this is the same institution that, you know, we it's gutting the diversity department. It's the same institution that, you know, has replaced multiple black women. And this this man took their positions multiple times. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? This is this is the same institution that like when we told them that, like, hey, we don't think you can split up a chief diversity officer role with a provost role because like Mm y'all don't do good at diversity. They treat us like we're little kids. Like we don't know what we're talking right. about. We're grown folks over mm-hmm. here. We got master's degrees over here. We 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 are doing mm-hmm. this work currently at other institutions. You know what I'm saying? And so like when and I had a friend of mine who who essentially said, if you want this to go public, I know people at multiple newspapers. Just say the word. And I said, I said, bro, like I actually don't even have the energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like give to this. Like yeah. Like what if? And it's at that so point, much. it was like most of most of, most of the time, like it it there is. Like there's an energy that you have to have. Like there's an emotion, like a connection that you have to a have labor. to it. Yeah. It's no labor. And like I'm just saying, like, yo, at that time it could have very well caught fire. And like the I was I just thought about the interviews and like the backlash and like all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't care about that place enough. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like I I feel my heart breaks because I like recruited for that institution. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I actually recruited black and brown students to go there and particularly the black ones. And I'm just like, it, I like still feel guilty to this day that I did that work. You know what I'm saying? But um, you not didn't only, know. You yeah, didn't. I did it. I did it. I didn't, I didn't know. And, and I'm not yeah. going to like, but the, at that time, I'm just like, yo, I'm going to support the students and I'm going to mentor as many students as I possibly can. I don't want anything to do with this institution. I have to like cut it off, but I'm like, I'm thinking about y'all's experience and experiences and like, even the post work and like the labor that y'all had to do mm-hmm. after the fact, even this podcast, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's yeah, been, it's, it's a it's lot. It's been a yeah. lot of, of not only unpaid work, just, I mean, when Valeriano was, was wrongfully terminated, I not only had to do my job, I had to do it dot every single I, because I knew that they were targeting me. They were taking you know, my list serve away, taking away my policy duties, various staff were, were uh, getting aggressive with me and whatnot. And, and I had to maintain my work in that environment and I was documenting. So the only way that this, this has been able to happen is because these folks thought it was smart to leave 
being on staff after they wrongfully terminated Valeriana and leave me with access to the server, to my email, to all of these various things that had evidence that had receipts of all of the anti-blackness that we'd experienced. I mean, there are probably 250 documents on a Google Drive that I have that that includes so many emails from us saying, hey, here's what happened. Here's how I responded. Here's how I see this. Can you address this? Going to our our board of directors, going to Michelle Dixon-Wall, the other co-director, going to our funders at the Office of Crime Victim Advocacy or our funders at the Department of Health. There were so many receipts and, and did all that documentation. And that's only one aspect of that work. There was also the health aspect of it, where my coworkers were were witnessing and naming the fact that I was, when things were really escalating at this organization, I was having a lot of stomach issues. There's also the fact that my partner and I were attempting to have a child at the time that all of this happened. And when all of this happened, it actually happened the the executive director of of Safe Place, which is an organization that is in the same city as the Washington Coalition of Sexual Assault Programs. My wife worked there as the the manager of the shelter, and they had a Black executive director who was pushed out. Her name is Sarah Lloyd, and she's quoted in the article. Um, But of course, the article doesn't really go into her experience. But we both looked at this, these experiences, mine at at Wixap and hers at, at Safe Place and said, I don't know if we want to raise our son here. Hmm. Or he he wasn't our son yet, but our our child here. Hmm. And so we now live in San Diego, California. We had plans on moving to Tacoma, rooting our life there, becoming a part of the community. I was looking into civil service commissions in that city and doing all of this work in the Pacific Northwest, only to, in many ways, have that taken away from me. And then, you know, like there was, there was weight gain, there was unemployment, there was having to navigate, you know, getting a new job at the same time that you're working with an attorney to, to have some accountability. So this has been a lot of work, a lot mm-hmm. of work. You know, I actually took in the summer of 2021, when my NDA expired, I took about two weeks of sick time off of work because mm-hmm. I... Thankfully, I worked at a place that could could really honor that. And, and they, you know, understood that I had had this experience and they said, you know, like, yes, please take your time and, and do what you got to do. But I had to just process the fact that I was now able to tell this story over the course yeah. of, of a number of weeks and just like sit with that and think about that. So this all has taken a, a significant toll over the course of, of more than two years now. Mm-hmm. And we're continuing, you know, that. As we've said, that that article is about 25% of this experience. It doesn't go into depth in the way that the funders were racist towards us. It doesn't necessarily go into depth about all of what we experienced from the board of directors. It doesn't talk about the previous executive director who resigned and then put the organization in a really, really bad spot that Valeriana then had to dig, dig it out of. So we're, we're continuing this work. And I, I just, I'm glad that you mentioned that piece because we've been, you know, I, I've also had full-time jobs during that time. Mm-hmm. I started up a consultancy, a consulting firm and went full-time into that a month ago. At the same time, actually about maybe a week before this article dropped. So it's it's taken quite quite a toll, but again, you know, this is the work we do. This is why we joined that organization in the first place is because we... 
try to do the right thing and try to interrupt violence when it when it happens. So that's ultimately mm-hmm. where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, <laughs> I know, right? Yo, I, I think for me, well, there's two closing thoughts because I've held y'all long enough and I appreciate and honor y'all's time, story, journey. Honestly, thank you so much. And I appreciate you. Many, many blessings on y'all's lives. Yeah. But the the first one is like, I am trying as best I can not to be jade, like look at organizations in particular, like nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, when I see stuff and, and where they're at, who is leading them with this jaded point of view, right? Um, um, of this, And I will admittedly, I have high skepticism on any white led organization that's claiming to do any kind of like work in this, in the field. I, like until you prove me wrong, I'm going to think that you're not doing it well, mm-hmm. just, just based off experience and we live in America. But the other side of that too, is that like, like I think there is, and we couldn't even get into it because there's so much that <laughs> we dug into, you know what I'm saying? Of like this, the nonprofit industrial complex that you mentioned, Darren, and like how, you know, there's this white saviorism that exists in it. And even with Niles Kimfolk and like how they like buy into that. And when I worked in nonprofit space, buying into that and thinking that like, because I come from this place of privilege that I have something to give that you don't. And it's just, there's just so many layers to that, that I'm trying to like still navigate. Even myself, what? Three years removed from nonprofit space. Three, four? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But anyways, I'm just like, just trying best I can. But now, like similar to y'all doing my own thing. And and even as I've walked away from that, being just being like, yo, like really unapologetic and, and shout out to Dr. Kimya. She said like, yo, like I said, my goal this year is to be more audacious. And she said, your goal isn't to be more audacious. Your goal is to live out who you are. And that is Mm-hmm. your full black mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. and i say <laughs> just like that like hit me hit me right in the heart i'm just like that is the point point. and so like for y'all i just wish y'all to be able to live y'all full black selves like it it is audacious to be authentic and i and i want to give you your flowers for everything that y'all went through your journey and, and even even the work that y'all are doing now i don't want it to sound cliche as far as like y'all putting Y'all are using your story for good, but like y'all are really doing the work, the hard, hard work of like reclaiming your time, That's your it. peace, That's your it. sanity, your health, your wellness, mm-hmm. but also moving in, in, in spaces where I'm like, yo, like <laughs> why is the river saying gonna hold me down? Oh, you know no what I'm way. saying? And, and, no and, and, way. Yeah. And in fact, and in fact, it gave me energy to, to, to know that I'm heading in the right direction. Right. So mm-hmm. thank y'all so much. Honestly, I just want to just spend it a, a little bit of just like honor, honor y'all because I think when we go through difficult times, I think it's hard to see that the hope that we are given others on the other side of it. And like, as I read your article, like it reminded me of the experiences that I went through, mm-hmm. but also reminded me that like, there is a, there is a landing place, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and seeing the things that y'all are doing, which like just gave me hope. Like this whole conversation, we were talking about hard stuff, but like, I'm hopeful, you know what I'm we saying? This conversation. Yeah. At the, at the, at the very least. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know how many times I could say, thank you. I appreciate you. Oh, you. <laughs> I honor <Thank> you. you. <laughs> All that stuff. Thank you for <laughs> so, us. We, we yeah, appreciate yeah. it so much. Love your platform Absolutely. and love what you're doing as well. I just want to acknowledge that too. Like mm-hmm. from one black person to another, like it is incredible and it's beautiful and refreshing to hear that you're doing what you love and mm. you, you seem to really come alive in this place. And that's really good because I think that, the, the saddest thing that we I can ever see or envision or picture is when I see another person who is black, who is existing in a space and they know it's like, they just can't wait to clock out. They, they, mm. they, they there's something mm. else they're looking forward to, but 
just the way in which the structure of how you you essentially allowed us to tell our truth and yes. not filter it and not go whatever you do don't say that don't do that like mm. we can truly be ourselves and i think that in many respects if no one's told you lately what you are actually centering is a form of black liberation so may mm. you go in your you know on, on this journey and be um, not just audaciously yourself but may wonderful opportunities like be in pursuit of you because one thing I'm realizing is this world is small. And when you are experiencing tough times, you may be so siloed and thinking like, oh, it just stops here with me. What's the other mm. side? And I can tell you 2020, oof, it came with some energy. But, <laughs> but, did, but, but yeah. here we are yeah. in 2022. And I can tell you that even despite what has taken place, despite what was done against us, the joy that's coming out of like the gatherings, the preparation, the mm. work that Darren and I even do, whether it's yep. like preparing for a workshop or speaking, whether, you know, on this on this platform, I, I'm just reminded of the fact that there are people who came way before us, yeah. way before yep. us. And yeah, we are their wildest dreams. And mm -hmm. my hope is that we will also become the wildest dreams of the generations that are coming down, you know, in uh, like, you know, down the line. Um, may they be inspired to know that no matter what has been done against you, like black liberation is here for the win. And honestly, white supremacy has an expiration date. And I think that that is mm -hmm. why there's so much resistance. That is why there's so much opposition right now, because that will also shift. History always changes. And so even if we don't see it in our lifetime, my hope is somewhere down line in the future, someone who hears this recording will lean and glean into that. So thank you for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just want to give y'all a second to just like plug away. Where can folks connect with you? Where can folks find you? I'm going to do my best to plug as many things as I possibly can, but uh, in the show notes, but I would love for y'all to share a little bit about where folks can uh, work with y'all at. Yeah, definitely. My consulting firm is rootingmovements.org. You can go on that website and learn learn all about what we provide. We essentially help movement organizations, social and political movement organizations, connect to their, their mission, their values, and their history through a number of different services, whether it be trainings, whether it be strategic planning, retreat facilitation. One thing that a, a number of organizations have been interested in lately has been organizational equity assessments where we go in, mm. interview staff, look at policies, procedures, evaluate the culture, and provide recommendations to not only improve, but to fundamentally center the issues that need to be centered in the organization. You know, whatever it is, you know, we make pretty significant recommendations that are, again, tied to that organization's history, tied to that organization's values. So yeah, again, folks can find me at rootingmovements.org. Both my, my wife, Cecily Dorsey, and myself run this consulting firm, and um, we also provide a, a free 45-minute initial consultation if folks like the idea of increasing equity in the organization but aren't quite sure where to start or, or what they might need, then, then that's a, an option for folks. And then if folks just search my name, uh, Darren J. Dorsey, on LinkedIn, I post on there pretty frequently, and, and I'm happy to connect with folks on that, on that platform. Wonderful. Actually, and Darren and I actually have a workshop that's coming up. I, I like I'm, this is the, the plug that I do want to uh, make yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, the dates are the 26th and 27th of April. We can definitely share that information with you, Jonathan. And if you're able to mm -hmm. put that in um, the description 
for this podcast as yeah. well. Um, we will be sharing aspects of what it is like for nonprofits to really examine what history will say of them during this period of time. And so this is not definitely a workshop I would say folks miss out on. Like, please plan to attend. Mm-hmm. It's a two-part series. And for folks mm-hmm. who want to connect with me, my consultancy email address is valeriana at necessaryinterruptions.com. My consultancy website is uh, necessaryinterruptionsllc.com. You can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook, and you can also find me on Twitter as well. And I would say like last but not least, uh, for the folks who are also in the philanthropic movement and are interested in learning a little bit more about what the Social Justice Fund does in the Seattle area as well, please feel free to reach out to me uh, as well. My email address for that is valeriana at socialjusticefund.org. And we just look forward to the wider community connecting with us and just know like we're just getting started. There's so much more to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you both so much. I'm going to provide all those things in the show notes. Uh, so that way y'all can actually connect with Valeriana and Darren. As a quick side note, this is probably going to drop afterwards. But if you give me that information, I will post it everywhere, like to promote the event. So um, I saw that you posted it, Darren, earlier this week. So if y'all have any flyers or anything like that that I could share with my mm-hmm. network, and then I'll post it on the post it on all my socials just so that it can it can get out because uh, this is probably going to drop. Yeah, you said it after the event, yeah. and I really want as many people to oh, okay. know about yes, that yes, as possible. Yes. And I'm still connected with a wide array of nonprofit folks. So, but let me do my closeout thing because it just helps with editing purposes so all right y'all then that's it this was a heavier episode like i mentioned up at the top but well well worth the listen i think if you take away anything from darren valeriana and my conversation is that like if you are in these spaces and you're seeing these things happen and you want to say something and you don't say something or you want to say something and you do say something recognize that there for those of you that like find yourself on like the hard end of that. Like there is a landing place and you're not alone. And there's people that care about you, that are rooting for you, that that want the best for you. And on top of that, you don't deserve that. But for those of you that are still in the middle ground and you're trying to figure out like, how are you gonna do this? The only way that you can do this is by doing it. And I wanna encourage you to do it because it's so necessary. There's so many people that are hurting. There's so many people that are needing this, needing your voice. And I'm not gonna beg you I'm just going to say, do it. (laughs) And if you felt challenged or felt any kind of way about this, I would sit with that too, because ain't nothing but the truth that was spoken here today. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas, additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas, with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really helps folks discover the show. Until next time, y'all. Peace.